0: So, Ron, I, your job officially is director of training. Yes. Right. That's right. But that's not just your, your job. I mean, you live what Radius is about. You've lived what Radius is about. And because, like I said, some people don't know you, why don't you give us your and Candy's kind of highlight reel?
1: Well, our highlight reel. I think probably what I'd like to put in the center of all that is the amazing grace of God, really, um, A highlight reel might not always include as many dead ends and false starts as candy and i have had but uh, the lord has taken us through starting way back 120 years ago or so when we uh (laughs) we uh in college even just um reading the great commission and trying to uh line ourselves up with what god was doing in the world and having all authority on in heaven and on earth and then commanding us to go out and especially to those unreached uh, language groups so what I mean by, by some of the difficulties was, um, down in South America, where we began, there were uh, just, we were up against political upheaval and other areas, things with the drug trafficking and violence. We had five of our coworkers kidnapped and killed by the Colombian guerrillas. And so, while, while we were trying to advance in our language learning in one of these people groups, um, we would end up being kicked out of that area or the embassy requiring that we leave. The final one was uh, the Wadao tribal people in Venezuela. The president, Hugo Chavez, actually passed a law and uh, had us removed from that location uh, against the protests of the people. Uh, they wanted us to stay. But during that time, I say God's grace being the, the center of all this, uh, for Candy and I, it just we just kept deepening this desire to see these unreached people that now we've been living eyeball to eyeball with for so many years actually have access to the truth Mm -hmm. of the word of God so that's what led all the way down to what the big highlight now we're really grateful just what we're involved with down there in radius has just been tremendous
0: so one of the emphasis that I like about radius is that you guys put a strong emphasis on the local church now that doesn't seem that's not very common amongst mission agencies is it
1: Uh, No, I don't. I think they're growing. I think they're all trying to wrestle with that. But uh, we've just decided to make that uh, a stake that we've driven in the ground. Again, uh, wanting the Word of God to be our authority. Uh, The local church is the authority that God has placed here on on the earth to carry out the Great Commission. So we see ourselves very much as serving the local church as they want to send people out. We equip them give them back to the local church to then send them out. Okay. And uh, yeah. the end, just like the beginning, is that these guys establish local churches. They're not just doing evangelism mm-hmm. or discipleship here and there, but they've got to stay in these contexts long enough to actually leave behind a church. Okay. Yeah. So that, that obviously shapes the curriculum, the way
0: you guys train your students and everything. Um, so watching the video and even being there, I saw jungle gyms everywhere here, and on the video there's all these kids. So to be clear there's a and, and one of the i think the, the highlight family there was walking around tijuana with a kid in their shoulders these are young families with little children who are ready to just kind of leave everything and go to the far off countries of the world
1: yeah we've got uh, kids pro- in tow probably half are married and half are single maybe a little more than half are married and many of them have a, a child or two so yeah they're young in fact if you're if you're leaving your 30s, uh, it's going to be tough to get into our program because you've got two languages ahead of you and a long, a long haul ahead of you. So everyone there, they're in their mid, late 20s, early 30s, and uh, they're staring that challenge in the eye, uh, but they're just regular old people. So, I mean, it's scary. There's a lot of unknowns, but they're just looking to the Lord to care for them and their family and uh, they are, they're taking their families into some uh, pretty challenging places. Yep. So, so um,
0: was Brad was talking about these are long-term thinking people, uh, and when we were there, there was this, they, some of the students were talking about the 20 to life principle. So tell us about that, in, in light of what you just said with these fin- kids, little kids, and the, 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 the requirement, what is the 20 to life principle, and, and aren't, all long, aren't all missions long-term thinking? So, so why make that point?
1: Yeah, well, nowadays, um, a lot of agencies have a short-term program and a long-term program, and, and for many agencies, a long-term program is 18 months to two years.
0: So what's well, short-term then?
1: Yeah, short-term is uh, just a month six or weeks two? to a couple months. And um, <clears throat> we are actually targeting, trying, in, trying to align with the Great Commission and thinking that future, glorious picture revelation 5 9 i think it is people from every single family and tribe and tongue and nation are gathered around the throne so we're actually trying to equip people to go to those language groups that have never had access to the truth to the word of god and it just takes time it's just you're going in there's not another resource there isn't even the scriptures yet till you translate it there's no podcast there's no church there's no believers and watching this, being in this for many years, uh, it's just, if you can get that done in 15 years, that's amazingly fast. And you might want to plan on 30 to actually see that people group with, with a shot. Yeah. So
0: 20 to life means basically like, like as we think of a prison sentence, but they're thinking that's what you're in for. Is it <laughs> okay, <laughs> there
1: Yeah, it we is. had, it, this thing kind of happened about one of the guys in that film up there about, about two years ago. Uh, the, there was an event like you guys went to, and one of the questions, and it's always asked of our students. Uh, so how long, even their families, their friends, so how long are you going to be gone for? And uh, this guy in, in that big venue, he says, well, we look at it as 20 to life. And uh, they're studying the life of Adoniram Judson. We're walking him yeah, yeah. through the biblical theology of suffering to expect opposition, expect it to really be difficult and so they kind of coined that 20 to life the students did a couple years ago and it just kind of stuck, stuck.
0: Yeah. it certainly communicates okay last question then um, how can churches like ours do more to help you got you and radius make much of the gospel and of christ what's what's the most strategic thing for churches who are not in tijuana who, who by and large what can we do to be more helpful
1: well i think i think rick it was awesome having you guys down yeah, there, you, yourself, some of the elders, and uh, Melody, and, and guys from the missions team, to um, so just being aware of what we're doing down there. I think what a church can do as well is, is keep trying to surface that remaining task out there. I think it's really hard to relate to. You just grow up here, there's needs all around you, you go to work, you, you want to have impact with the people around you. It seems like how can you even relate to this other world out there? We're already loaded with plenty of compelling needs around us, and those are compelling needs. So I think if churches can just work to keep that, on, connect that Great Commission, that future of every tribe and tongue gathered around Christ, and connect that to the real world. Millions and millions of people that even in their language, there's no scripture yet. Mm. So maybe it's an educational thing to keep it on our radar. Uh, another thing the church can do is, is uh, put that out there as a pathway for some of these young families that are would love to be a part of that a church that could say hey we want to make that if that's what God's put on your heart we want to be a part of that and finally um, this whole area of having to do business um, while you're being in these places so that the one family you guys put up there Hannah and Steve Patton that she's she's our daughter and those are my grandsons, and um, so they're doing that thing, and that's what we're equipping others to do, and I think in a church, there's people with entrepreneurial experience and business experience that could really be a huge help by connecting with a young family that's going out just to counsel them in how to do business. Whatever you've learned doing it in the U.S., a lot of those principles, probably 80 percent of that transfers right over to another context as well, and so it's another way that I think churches can get involved and, and help help our students actually make it to that finish line yeah
0: right well ron would you pray for us and then we're going to look at god's word from third john to talk about some things that i think john talks about principles of sending and supporting missionaries
1: and just how to think about missions that i think is going to be really good so would you pray for us let's pray father we do thank you so much for your grace in our lives what in the world Mm -hmm. would we be doing here had you Mm -hmm. not barged in and made yourself uh, clear and real to us thank you for bringing us into your family. I'm so grateful, Lord, for this particular, the church that uh, raised me up and sent me out uh, so many years ago. I thank you for what we're gathered around here is your word and who we're gathered around, which is you. Father, I'm thankful for this church. And we do ask you, um, in addition to all the things you put on our heart to reach out to the people that surround us, that you'd also help us as a church just wrestle with and be open to is there a part we can play in seeing you become known Mm -hmm. in other places where there's no access at all we just we just want to follow you lord we don't want to create our own hype we don't want to do things with weird motives we just want to align with you in your heart so lord please work with us help us to see the world the way you do and to just find your leading for any any place that we might play in this thing we We're just thankful to you, Lord. We give our lives to you. It's your deal, and we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: All right, thanks, Ron. Hey, if you have a Bible in front of you, um, turn open to the epistle, John's third epistle. If you need to use one of our pew Bibles, that's going to be on page uh, 1026. And uh, this is going to be a challenge for me. I have about 10 minutes to preach a sermon. So, if you thought I talked fast before, um, hold on. No, just kidding. We are going to look at 3 John. I mean, there's a lot of passages of scripture we could go to to talk about missions, but um, 3 John uh, just really brings out things I think are really important for us to to hear as a church. Uh, I I love missions, and I know that might be surprising to people uh, to hear from me because I'm such a a staunchly church man kind of person. and so people think that if you're into the local church, you don't—you're really, not really in the missions. But I actually think the, that the, the two go together beautifully. Um. And I love traditional missions, and I think that's also surprising people because I also feel like we should be raising up people to go to the Amazon, and I also feel we should raise up people to go to Amazon, as in dot com, right? So I, I'm very, I'm always thinking, how do we do things in a way that is relevant to our culture? And I also think we should send missionaries to Wall Street and Capitol Hill and our financial and any culture-influencing area. Christians need to be in, and to me, they all work together. And I think Third John captures some of that nicely. So, in the remaining time that we have, I just want to make four brief points uh, from these eight verses in 3 John. So, let me read them to you, and we'll walk through the passage together. So, John writes, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Verse 5, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth." So as I said, I only have a few minutes, so I'm just going to make four brief insights that I want you to, especially if you're in your community group, to be thinking about this a bit more uh, in your community group questions. We're actually going to spend more time praying. I've got more issues to pray for our missionaries than questions to ask, but hopefully between the people in your group, you'll remember these points and you can talk about them. Number one, I think it's clear from 3 John Uh, Four things. Number one, that support for missions and missionaries is what the church and Christians have just always done. This is just something that's part of the DNA of the church. Supporting missions and missionaries is something that Christians have always practiced. And if you if you heard in reading Third John, and this is a very short epistle, the whole thing's you know 15 verses long, we see that common New Testament idea that love and truth always are found together and they display themselves in actions. Notice in verse 3, John says to Gaius, who's, who's uh, influential in the church, he says, look, we've been told that you are walking in the truth. And in verse 5, he says, because you're walking in the truth, this is a faithful thing that you're doing. And, and what the faithful thing that he's doing, the, the missionaries in verse 6 report as, this guy had so much love shown towards us, and that's the faithful thing that that John says that Gaius was doing. And then in verse 8, so there's this love and this truth, and it's backed up with we need to continue to support these men. But notice at the bottom of verse 8, in supporting these fellow workers, we ourselves are considered workers in the harvest. So tying this back to our study of Philippians, this is familiar territory for us. We've seen that Paul said the same thing to the Philippians, that because they partnered with him, and, and sometimes that partnership meant sending people from the fellowship, like Epaphroditus, a, a to be with Paul, but a lot of times it was meeting his physical needs. That act alone made them partners and fellow workers in what was taking place. So in one sense, when we think about missions— There's really only one of two categories of people. There are those that are sent, and then there are those who are doing the sending. There's only two, the ones that go out for the sake of the name and the ones who remain behind sending them out for the sake of the name. And it's really important to understand which you are and to be faithful in that role. By and large, the fact that we are all here, we are the ones that do the sending, and so we need to be faithful in our role. Just as Gaius was faithful in supporting these missionaries, just as the churches in Antioch and Cyprus were faithful in supporting Paul and Barnabas, just as small congregationalists of nonconformists throughout England were were faithful to raise up funds and send out men, and Ron mentioned Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, uh, William Carey, uh, Andrew Fuller, all these people, all these men early on, and women in these cases, some like Amy Carmichael, they were sent out because congregations were faithful to send them to do the work of the gospel. So the thing that we are doing in supporting missions is what Christians have always practiced, and we can never waver from that. And second implication from 3 John is knowing who we ought to support. Because, as I said, there's only two categories, those who are sent and, and those who are doing the sending, that, and the reality is we are all on mission, whether you're actually going to the Amazon or you work at Amazon, we should all be on mission, but we don't conclude from that because we're all on mission, we all should be supported equally by the church, right? This is, this is not some kind of spiritual socialism here. So John is careful to distinguish who we ought to support. And we see that in in verse 7 here, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Coming back to our study in Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians. Did I say Philippians earlier, or did I call it Ephesians? I did say Philippians. In our study of Philippians, it's been pretty clear that every Christian's life model ought to be for me to live as Christ. And part of that testimony is that we actually testify to the gospel. We're actually sharing the gospel. So whether we are traveling on business like James 4, whether we are traveling because of persecution like Acts chapter 8, however we're traveling, however we're going through our life, we are actually sharing the gospel message. But John specifies a particular group that we ought to support. Notice, they have gone out for the sake of the name. And at that time, um, apparently these missionaries, and you could say, well, were they missionaries? Were they uh, traveling evangelists? Were they itinerant preachers? Maybe they were all three. The reality, these people had left everything to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. That is to say, the world that doesn't know God, that doesn't have Christ, the message of salvation, during that time, there were uh, what you might have called itinerant Roman and Greek philosophers that would travel around and teach for a fee. But these early missionaries, these early evangelists, these early pioneers did not want to be, have any kind of false accusation brought to them or their motives questioned, so they received nothing from the Gentiles. Well, you see that in verse 7. It's made it all the more important for Gaius and the church To support men like these. But notice, these missionaries are not free, you know, self-styled free agents. You notice that in verse 6, they went back to the church that John pastored, probably the church at Ephesus, and testified before the church of how they were received by Gaius. These missionaries and these churches were working together for the proclamation of the gospel. So, so the letter of 3 John, among other things, was probably John's epistle, a letter of commendation for these approved missionaries that Gaius and that church were supporting. So what we see is that the, the missionaries and churches should always be working together. And as we've talked, a lot of times that has not been the case, which is why we're excited to partner with Ron and Candy and the people at Radius, which is why we're excited to partner at CBI in Nagoya, Japan. We want to get behind men and women who believe in the, and have a passion for the local church responding to the global mission. And that's what we want to get behind. So these are some partnerships we've been strategic to get behind as a church. Number three, third insight from this passage. It comes from verse six, that our support should be abundant. Did you notice the way John said to support them? Send them in a manner worthy of God. That is a high standard. That's a high bar, right? We don't want to be, if you've been around the church long enough, you've ever seen, our church doesn't have, but if you grew up in one of these kind of old school churches, remember the missionary closet? You guys remember ever the missionary closet? It was supposed to be things you gave to the missionary, usually overflowing with unwanted items that people didn't want anymore. That, that's not the mentality John has. He says, when we send missionaries, we want to be a, have abundant support to them. In writing about this very same kind of thing, Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, he says, but you all excel in everything. Excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel also in this act of grace, and he's referring to taking up a collection to support the work of the ministry. Friends, because of your generosity, we are at a great time at our church where the elders, our missions team, we are experiencing a surplus And the question we get to ask, the conversation that is so fun, is how do we support and how do we help projects around the world that they haven't had finances before? I cannot tell you what a tremendous blessing it is to actually be able to call missionaries and say, that project you guys are working on, how much can we help contribute to that? And that's happening because of your fellowship, your partnership, your generosity. So our support should be abundant, and I'm thankful at a budget time we're talking about how do we increase our giving to missions, because we need to do that. Finally, last point, number four, our motivation, verse 7 and 8, is love for the glory of Christ, for they've gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth of the gospel. Friends, as great as the needs of the world are, ultimately, that's not why we do missions. We need to keep this really important. As great as the needs are, that's ultimately not why we do missions. Friends, the whole reason missions exist is because worship of God doesn't. See, the reason missions exist, this is John Piper, is because worship of God doesn't. It is not the needs of a dying world that sets the agenda for us. It is the glory of a gracious God that does. So John says, they've gone out, but they've gone out for the sake of the name. And that is the reason for the glory and fame of Christ as he can transform individuals and entire civilizations and cultures. For his glory is why we want to get behind men and women who will plant churches so that worship of God will increase, so that what Ron referred to would take place. That wonderful passage uh, happens in Revelations 5, it happens in Revelation 7, Revelation 19. We get these glimpses of it. John wants to remind us that this is the target, this is the goal. And this is what I end with this morning. Revelation 7, 9 through 10, John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and the Lamb, clothed in white robes with branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I just love what Ron said. Our lives, yeah, they're just so busy with so many things that we need to attend to, but let's not take also our eye off the ball of what we're doing, what we're about, what the goal of it all is is that all of humanity be redeemed and give worship and praise to God. And the way we can do that, unless God has called you to go out, and I would encourage you to think about that. Talk to Ron. They're going to be here for the next service, too. Talk to Ron and Candy about ways you can get involved in missions if, if you feel like maybe you're one of the sent ones. If you're one of the senders, Talk to Alan. You still here, Alan? Talk to Alan or talk to somebody in our missions committee about how maybe your community group can be a wraparound group around one of our missionaries. Uh, you know, I talked to one of our missionaries. You know what they would love to get? I know you're thinking Bible or a lexicon. They would love to get Reese's Pieces cereal. <laughs> They're human beings like you and I. How can we come around them and support them and care for them, Right? So the way we apply this passage is not only just being uh, open to missions and what God might want to do in your own life, not just being generous supporters, but also how do we care for them well, practically, strategically? And if you're in a community group and you guys don't have a missionary that you're caring for, talk to your community group leader, talk to Tim, talk to Alan, talk to one of the elders. Because maybe God has not called you out there, but like we've heard in Scripture, we're all part of this and we want to be fellow partakers. We want, to, we want to get in on that global action of what God is doing here at this local church. Let me pray and have the worship team come back up. Father, we thank you for this morning where we could just briefly think about this amazing thing you're doing around the world. Father, and it is your plan to use the local church to bring the gospel throughout the globe, and we thank you that we can participate in that. Father, we pray that you continue to pour out your blessings on Ron and Candy and the team at Radius and and all the men and women that we're supporting as a church. Father, help us to not lose track, not lose sight of what this amazing picture that John consistently paints for us in Revelation, that one day all this will be passed. And we want to be able to say that we were part of the reason why every nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue is gathered around the throne redeemed. Some of what we've done here. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.